Uh, this morning, my topic that I want to share with you from God's Word is on tasting victory. Because today, as I look around, I think, well, what do you see, Pastor Matthew? Well, I'll ask you, what do you see? You look around and, and you see equipment. You, you might see just different elements that we're using for our worship gathering. And, and you might think, well, I see a whole bunch of equipment that came on two trailers that we didn't have before yesterday. Well, yes, that's true. I, I do see those things. I'm obviously, I'm, I'm using them. I see them. I've enjoyed them already this morning. But what I see is far more than the equipment. That we learned and are learning how to set up this weekend. What, you know what I see? I see victory. That's what I see. I see a God who's at work and a God who has provided, a God that has gathered this people called Renewal Church together. And today is victory. It's marking that the enemy doesn't want this to happen. Hear me. Satan wants nothing to do with Renewal Church succeeding and seeing God's renewal spread to Bill County and the world. He does not want that to happen. And he's been opposing us and trying to discourage us, but he has not been successful. God has provided the people, the leadership, the unity, the resources. And what we're experiencing right now as we're gathering as a launch team, believing God to do amazing things and filling not just this room, but in planting more churches. Today is evidence of victory. God's favor upon us and his greater things to accomplish. And so we're just getting started. That's what's happening today. And so as a launch community, as we have this unique time where it's really just us this morning. Because when we gather again in two weeks, and we're going to have our chairs, not these middle school seats, by the way. Praise God, right? Amen? Amen. <laughs> So when we gather in two weeks, it'll be our first preview service. And so we're going to have guests. I'm praying some who've never heard of Jesus or heard of him but don't really know him that are in darkness and that need to be made new by the Spirit. We're going to have people that are just seeing what we're about. And we want them to know we're about God's renewal. That's what we're about. But we need to know this path forward. We have to know and believe as a launch team what it will take for us to continue tasting more victory and not be content on, well, this is great. We've learned how to set up, and so I think we've arrived. Like, obviously, we have not arrived. We're just getting started. And we have an enemy that's going to oppose us even more, who does not want this to happen, does not want our unity He doesn't want us looking to Jesus and then seeing people through his spirit as the gospel is preached, made new. And so if we're going to continue to taste victory as a launch team that will become a a missional church, we have to know that our enemy is opposing us and wants to do nothing more than to derail us. So that we don't have victory. And there's just too much at stake. There's the souls and eternity of image bearers of God that is at stake. And so we can't be afraid or shrink back. And so with that said, 
I want to read to you Psalm 20, what we're going to be considering this morning for the next few moments. Psalm 20. We'll read the entire psalm, just nine verses. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. You hear that, Renewal Church? May he grant us our heart's desire and fulfill all our plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. I know now that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Amen. This is a psalm of victory. Victory over the enemy. And so if we desire as a church to experience the fullness of God's presence and fulfill his plans for us, then this is a message from Psalm 22 that we really have to hear and internalize and by his grace live out together. So if we're to be a victorious church where we see the dead being brought to life, where we see the broken finding healing, where we see slaves being set free from their bondage, where we see marriages restored, where we see people that are in darkness brought into his glorious lights and people that are depressed experiencing joy. If we want to see that, if we want to spread God's renewal, then this is an important message on victory that we have to apply individually and as a church as a whole. And so this is the primary truth, if you will, from this text, is victory comes from trusting in the character of God. So hear me. So victory comes from trusting in the character of God and living in the thank, living thankfully in the presence of God. So it is, so first of all, so victory comes from trusting in God's character and living thankfully in his presence. So it's all about knowing who he is, his character, and living in his presence. And when those two are true in your life, we think of it as an equation, think of it this way. So confidence in the character of God plus experiencing his presence, you add those equals to victory. This is what we see in Psalm 20, that we need to be confident in who God is and truly enjoy him to live the life that he wants us to live and have as a church. And so Psalm 20, so some context for you. This is a psalm of Israel that was singing, that was praying. This is like a a voice of the multitude of Israel that are praying for King David as he's getting ready to go into battle. So hear me, this is important to understand. Psalm 20, they have not yet gone into battle. They're praying and they're worshiping and they're getting ready. And King David is about to go attack the enemy and defeat them for God's 
glory. So verse 1 begins and it says, praying for, it says, God's help in the day of trouble. And anyone here ever had a day of trouble? Anyone? No? Yes? A few hands? Do you have kids? Then you've had a day of trouble. <laughs> or I, I could say this, do you have parents? Then you probably had a day of trouble too. So all of us in our own unique way, we, we can know what this feels like on having it says in a day of trouble. But here's the question. The question isn't do we ever have a day of trouble because the answer is yes, of course we do. The question is how do we respond on the day of trouble? Do we respond with fear? Do, do we respond with being anxious? Do we respond with running away? Do we respond with medicating with some substance or some other means? Or, or do we run to Jesus and enjoy his presence focusing on his character? Because it says in verse 1, that made the name of the God of Jacob protect you. So it says, on the day of trouble, it says the name of God will protect you. So when we, th- when we talk about the name of God, this isn't like some incantation or like a spell. Where if you say the exact right words, then things magically happen. And so as though God's name is some spell. It's not like that. When you're talking about the character of God, it's it's describing his name. And so the name of God refers to all of who he is. Describes his character. And there is power because God is powerful. That's his character. But his character is also wise and good and in control and merciful and holy. And so all the different characteristics, these infinite perfections of God, the totality of who he is, is his character. And so his name describes that. And so this means that we can, we can enjoy a God who is good and wise and powerful. And we can keep looking to Jesus. And so verse 2 then continuing, he is just in this prayer. He says, may God send support from Zion. Now, that's a big churchy word, Zion, but what does it even mean? Some people may think they know, or maybe you do or you don't, but sometimes we use these words and we don't even know what they actually mean. So when you see Zion, it really goes back to King David, and if you're curious, you can read about it in Second Samuel 5 and 6. And what you have there is David goes and attacks a Jebusite stronghold called Jerusalem, and he defeats it. And then now Jerusalem is known as the city of David because he conquered it. And then he makes that the capital of the nation of Israel. So when you had the united kingdom under King David, he then makes it Jerusalem and he calls it Zion. So again, you can read about it in 2 Samuel 5 and 6. So throughout the Old Testament, over a hundred times, this is a very common theme in all the Old Testament, Zion is the city of God's presence. And so Zion refers to the presence of God. It also refers to where there is a city of great hope for God's people. So Zion is a place where, where God is present and he is near. He's close to his people. He's not out there. He's down here close, right there with his people. 
And so it's the source of deliverance and of salvation. So salvation comes from Zion because it comes from God's presence, from God himself. And so whenever you see Zion, it refers to Jerusalem as far as geographical location. But it's much bigger and broader. It refers to God's presence and God's salvation. And so what you see here in verse 2 is a longing for God's presence and a, a dependence on his presence. And that is what leads to victory. Now verse 3 describes offerings. Now verse 3, these offerings are gratitude offerings. And so the first half of verse 3 is not describing a bloody sacrifice. It refers to an offering that you would bring that was non-blood, that was designed to just be saying thank you to God. So this gratitude But here's the key, expressing this gratitude offering, remember, before going into battle. Are you feeling me? Before, not after. Before going into battle, already saying, thank you, God, because you got this. I don't. I can't. And I hope that you've gotten a flavor of that even just this weekend, that not any one of us can do this setup by ourselves, right? (laughs) Like, it's just not possible. We need a small army on Sundays to do this and maintain harmony and not hate each other, right? Like, this is just the reality of it. But we can do this together and know that we have victory and we can even be grateful and thankful even before going into battle because we believe that God is able even when it might seem impossible. So you think, well, how do you know? Like, how can you be assured that there's going to be victory? Like, maybe in your life, if, if we make this personal. I don't know what you're going through, but maybe you're going through something that you see as really hard. Maybe you think, this is impossible. Like, I can't do this, whatever this is for you. And now you're hearing a message of you thank God in the middle of that struggle, knowing that God will deliver you, that God will give you victory. And you think, well, how, how can you be so sure? How do you know to say thank you before you even have the answer? Well, the second half of verse 3 describes a sacrifice. But this time, when it says sacrifice, in verse 3, you're, he says that you have favor with your burnt sacrifices. Now that was a blood sacrifice. That was an animal that had to die in order for the, the believer in God, so the Israelite, would have forgiveness or atonement from their sin. This is, of course, we know, pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so how can we, as a church, renew a church, how can we be assured of victory? Seriously, how can we be so sure that we can gather here and learn to set up and commit our time and energy and resources? Because this church, quite honestly, we need all of that. We need all of us to be all in. You think, well, how how do we know for sure that God is going to actually bless this? And how do we know for sure that people are going to come and be made new and grow in Jesus and release into the world for Jesus? How can we be so sure? How can we say thank you today before it even happens? Look to the cross. The cross is all the evidence that you need. Jesus is at work. He already paid the price. He already took it to the enemy and defeated him on the cross. And so what we have right now is victory. 
We can invade the darkness all around here with confidence, with hope, knowing that Jesus is at work in and through us if we will look to him and trust him. He's already done the impossible. Jesus died. He took our sins upon him and paid for and then resurrected. If God can already do that and assures us of his plan, then we can trust him. And if you're a believer, here's the reality. You already are trusting him with your eternity. And so you can trust him with today. You can trust him with, with helping this church vision come to fruition. This is, this is important. Because it's that help and support come from Zion in verse 3. It comes from God himself, from his very presence. And so we should be confident. In verse 4, it tells us, may he grant you your heart's desires and your plans. Do we have plans for this church? Do we have plans in our individual lives? Man, I hope you do. I hope you're not just floating by in life. I hope that you have a sense of purpose and mission with your life and as being part of this church. I'm sure you do because you probably wouldn't be part of a church plant if you didn't. But we have confidence that he will answer our prayers and fulfill these desires that he has given to us. And so if we want to fulfill our purpose as individuals, as families, and as a faith family, verse 5 says, may we shout for joy over your salvation. So God releases his power and his victory when our hearts are shouting for joy in God. He's talking about our affections and truly loving Jesus. And then verse 6 is a response from King David of prayer, knowing that God will answer him, God will give him victory. But this is key. It's right before going into battle. And he describes here setting up banners in verse 5. That is really important. Because these banners were victory banners. Did you hear that? Victory banners that they're raising up, that they're staking in the ground, saying, God, you have already given us victory. We're already saying thank you. And King David hasn't even gone into battle yet. And he's putting up the banners and saying, we will have victory. It's so assured because of this sacrifice, pointing to the Messiah's sacrifice, that we can go out in confidence and victory and put down our victory banners. And then verse 7 is powerful. It says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we trust in the name, so the character of the Lord our God. And so what were chariots and horses? Guess what? That was in the ancient world. That was the most advanced military weapon system of the day. You think, really? Yes. In its day, chariots was very advanced technology and led to great victory. And kings would trust in their chariots like we trust in our economy or our intelligence or our military. And, and here, the Bible says, no, we trust in the character of our God. And so what we need most, honestly, and I love all the equipment that God's given to us and he's provided for us. And I believe that he's going to use this equipment so that we can engage people 
welcome them. Like, I love the children's space. It's just awesome where we can have guests come in and know, hey, we've thought about you. We've prepared for you. and We, we care about your children. So we're going to come welcome you and love your children. And when you come in from the front door, we're going to greet you and we're going to love you. And then there's an engaging space for people. But if we're really honest, if we're trusting in all the equipment that comes in, in two trailers, man, we're dead in the water. But we need most of the Spirit of God. We need our God to move and his Spirit to blow here and to transform our hearts and that that can overflow. And when we do have guests come in, they say, man, there is something different about those renewal people. The answer is yes, we've experienced God's renewal and we want you to as well. We've been made new by the Spirit. And we have a sense of joy and purpose and mission that you can come and know God and experience Jesus for yourself. And verse 8 reminds us that when you trust in your own strength, you will says what? Collapse and fail. But those that are trusting in the character of God, living in the presence of God, they rise and stand upright. I'm praying there will be a church that stands upright. Focusing on his character, enjoying his presence together. And verse 9 ends beautifully with affirmation that God hears the king. And this points ultimately to Jesus. And I picture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to the Father, saying, Your will be done as he's about to go battle the enemy. And now that's what we're seeing right here with us is because of Jesus through his spirit, we're not battling the enemy. So we see thankfulness and we see trust. Those are the two primary themes from here. I want to read to you another verse briefly in the prophet Micah. He talks about Zion. So just like you saw here in this particular text um, that describes Zion, there's also... Another one, because Zion points to something bigger and something future. And so Zion, yes, it was, it was Israel, but it's far more than that. It points to the realities of Christ who will come back one day. Um, and so what this text is describing here, give me just a second. I got my pages all stuck together. So Micah 4, verses 6 and 7 points to the future coming of Christ in Zion. Micah 4, 6. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame, I will make the remnants of those who were cast off a strong nation. Listen, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. So this is pointing to a future reality accomplished through Messiah where there, where Zion is now basically his kingdom and he is ruling forevermore. He says here from Zion. He's talking about spreading God's renewal because what does he say? The lame who are walking now and those that were driven away that are brought close and is describing here those that were not God's people, now are part of this, this mighty nation. So that's what we see now. Is we want to see people that are blind, able to see, and broken, healed, and restored physically, but spiritually. And so what we're seeing in this text is all about the future coming of Christ with his renewal that he brings, making people new. And so we should be above all. You know what we should be? 
hope-filled people. This text, Psalm 20, if you just recap it very quickly, it says that he answers in the day of trouble. It says that he defends us, sends us help, strengthens us, fulfills our plans, pours out joy on us, sees us lift our victory banners. He answers us when we pray. He causes us to stand upright, and he answers when we call. Is that not the message that we need? This is Psalm 20, and it is beautiful, and it is powerful, and it's our battle cry. That we have victory. And it's guaranteed because of what Jesus already did on the cross. And so we trust in his character and we live thankfully in his presence. And may we taste victory. May we not be afraid or shrink back. May we lift up our banners and shout for joy over his salvation